Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Psychology Sisters podcast. Before jumping into today's episode, we would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Arabakul, Waramai, and Darul peoples on which the Psychology Sisters podcast is recorded today. We acknowledge both their history and their living present, as well as future generations. We invite you to take a moment to pay your respects to the traditional owners of the land in which you are joining us on today. This episode is sponsored by our brand new six-week anxiety e-course, a self-paced course dedicated to deepening your understanding of the hows and why of your anxiety, as well as teaching you the strategies that really work. If you'd like to feel more calm, confident, and empowered with your anxiety, head to the links in the show notes for more information. Welcome back to another episode from the Psychology Sisters. We are two passionate professionals on a mission to deepen your understanding around mental health and start the conversations to break down stigma. Hosted by Kat, a registered psychologist, and Amy, a registered psychotherapist, from building our own online private practice, the Psych Collaborative, to creating an e-course to help you care for your anxiety, we are so dedicated to bringing good quality, evidence-based information to you in easily digestible and accessible ways. Together, we dive deep into the wonderfully complex world of psychology. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are talking all things around, is there such thing as too high self-esteem? Can self-esteem that is really, really high be a problem? But before we get into today's episode, Kat, lovely, gentle, kind, soul soul sister cat how are you how have you been how's your week been what is your pit and peak fill me in what's the 411 (laughs) what's the download (laughs) what's the download well thank you for those beautiful adjectives um gentle kind and soft haven't really been feeling any of those things lately but thank you for the, the very kind reminder no i am going well i have had a brilliant week actually um despite it being absolutely freezing no my week has been good i have had some really nice slow weeks with work just with slowing down i feel like i'm in a bit of a season of life at the moment and i think i said this beginning of the year but just really trying to chill out a little bit and not fill my calendar up, not try and do it all. I've become really good at setting boundaries. So, I'm feeling really proud of that as much as my inner people pleaser (laughs) hates it. So, I've had some really nice, lovely, slow weekends, which is lovely. So, week has been good. Pit and peak. Honestly, I'm going to say that I have not had a pit this last week. I would say things are going very well and I know that that is privilege to say I know there's so much going on in the world at the moment so I'm very lucky that it's just feeling everything's going okay and really steady. My peak is that I am still training for a marathon. I a half sorry half marathon definitely not a marathon. I had a few health concerns I, some, a few hiccups but we're back baby and I'm so excited it is something that is definitely so challenging but I've really enjoyed 
training and you know getting in the in the zone for running long distances so yeah that's been my peak is just 31 it's nice to see what your 31 year old body can do and it's never too late to start something new so that would be my peak aims but please tell me about you what has been going on you've had pretty tough few weeks girlfriend please fill us in what's been going on and please tell us your pit and peak of the week well i think it's amazing that you're training for a half marathon very inspirational if i if i do say so props to you girlfriend great work getting out there but running those k's yeah, but- getting it done <laughs> You know what? It's really hard because you are someone who – I, I don't know if I said this last time, but Ames is someone who – I got a message from her. This is like two years ago, right? I must have messaged you like, hey, what are you up to or what have you been up to today? And she goes, oh, well, I decided I'd do a half marathon today. Had a few drinks last night, but I really want to do a half marathon today and I've done a half marathon. And I was like, sorry, what? So, like <laughs> – I feel like I always compare myself to you with that. You are someone who just, you don't need training. You don't need like special coaching. You just get up and get it done. So I look up to you when I'm training and I'm thinking, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm very jealous that you can do that. But when I'm running, please know I think of you. And I'm like, one day I will get to that level of, of fine <laughs> athleticism. Oh, that is very, very sweet. That is very, very flattering. And I'll take it. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> But, you know, I love running. I think running can be as as cliche and as as a little bit cringy as this might sound. I really think running is is medicine. You know, joints may not agree, Mm. but I fell in love with running when I lived by myself at Norwest Mm. during COVID. I started running and really fell in love with running then, and that's when I did my first half marathon. And then when COVID got really bad when I lived at – Glenmore Park I was meant to do another half marathon and it was cancelled due to COVID and I did one anyway and just ran around the block for (laughs) just in circles (laughs) and that that (laughs) how many laps was was that can you break down the laps that took like (laughs) (laughs) so I would run from my front door to Nepean River Mm. around Nepean River and back twice okay and I think it was around just under 22 k's what was really disappointing was the first time I went to do it I only ran 21 k's I forgot that a half marathon is (laughs) 21.1 k's so I go back and I was like woohoo did, did my did my little my own half marathon and, and Andy was like yeah but you only did 21 no, it's 21.1 where's the point still one counts. no I had to do it again did not count what you did that all again because you didn't do 100 meters <laughs> I did it again oh my god <laughs> yeah in fact I think I actually ended up running longer because I was like oh you know what I'll teach myself run that <laughs> I'll show you Andy you end up doing just a full marathon obviously neuroticism was a, a real symptom for me in COVID times. But nevertheless, I think anything like that, anything that you really commit yourself to and, you know, you have this mm. promise to yourself or this commitment uh, with, with yourself, I think it is so fulfilling. And I think it is something to be really proud of and it is admirable, whether it's running or hiking or 
arts and mm-hmm. you know w- whatever it is that you decide yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for myself because it makes me feel good and I'm gonna see how far I can take this mm-hmm. I think that is just really really wonderful so props to you well done awesome stuff I am sounding heinous I, I will apologize uh, for my nasally coffee splattery self I have been going well despite how I sound but <laughs> I have been in the last couple of weeks very very unwell which hasn't been fun I guess that will be my pit just over the last few weeks or so I've been probably the sickest I've been I think in my adult life again not to sound cliche it has just made me feel so appreciative for my health day to day I think sometimes we can take for granted that breathing comes easy (laughs) you know like even just little things like having the energy to go for a walk or being able to catch up with friends because you're feeling well, just little, little things that we may take for granted that become so evident. My pit has been that being so sick for a, a little while has thrown a spanner in the works to a few things that I've had really been enjoying doing or, or had gotten myself into like a really nice little routine. And not to echo you, Kat, I will acknowledge that, that there could be so many uh, other things worse happening, but also that it is relative and, and that has just been a bit of a spanner in the works so to speak. And it's never nice feeling unwell. It's not nice when you're sick and run down and not able to do the usual things that allow you to feel well. So I will acknowledge that for myself and and allow myself the space to be like, yeah, that, that hasn't felt great. My peak is on Anzac Day just gone. I was starting to feel a little bit more like myself again, which was wonderful. And Anzac Day, I think in the past, especially for, I guess, just my immediate friendship group has typically been a day where you'll go out drinking, playing two up, those types of rites of passage for Mm -hmm. Anzac Day, which are so fun and so great. And if that was your vibe this year, then amazing. Hope you had a great time. But I I think this Anzac Day looked so different for me and I actually really loved it. I ended up just going surfing with one of my friends and we had a really slow, wholesome, beautiful day. There was no drinking. There was no rowdiness or anything. And in, in fact, we I didn't even go on social media. It was so, so different to, I guess, how a typical I don't know, public holiday or more especially Anzac Day might have gone. But it was so, so lovely. We just It was a beautiful sunny day. We just spent the day in the water surfing, having fun. I got home. Home and I think I was in bed by <laughs> admittedly like 7 30 mm-hmm. or 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. very early and I just felt so so much better for it so I'm really starting to meet myself where I'm at and do things that feel good for me you know spending the day surfing being off screens and spending time with people that are really good for the soul And I I think we can never underestimate just how good that is for us to have like a bit of a reset day and and to maybe not give in to expectations and pressure of Anzac Day. This is the day to go out and drink and play two up. It's like, no, actually, you know, what if that's not going to be nourishing for me? And if that's not going to be meeting myself where I'm at, then there is absolutely no pressure to do those things or it doesn't say anything about you if, if that's not what you're feeling like doing and if that's not going to be feeding your soul then then it is so okay to do something different that is my peak I had a really beautiful Anzac day doing something 
very different to what I would usually do on an Anzac day and loved every second of it. It sounds incredible. Such a great reminder, isn't it, to do the things that fill your cup, to do the things that really fill your soul and fill your cup. And that's so important. So connecting, isn't it? And I think any day in nature, any day, mm. we, or especially I know you love the water, the water's so calming and just being out and about and not in front of a screen, not working, it's so healing and so connecting. So it sounds like a brilliant day. Well, I'm sad to also hear that you're not feeling well. You sound like you've been through and Ames is not someone who typically will ever admit that they're sick or if they are sick, it's, it's <laughs> you know, you've got an incredible immune system. So when you are sick, it's really bad. So you just called me casually the other day. You're like, um, so not well. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, something's wrong. <laughs> Something SOS you in hospital, what's wrong? So I'm sorry to hear you're not feeling good, girlfriend. It is awful being that unwell. You just want to put the blanket over your head and <laughs> have someone deliver you soup and be cared for and be held. It is so tough being unwell. So glad to hear you're on the up though, girlfriend. I'm like, you know, a bit more chicken soup bit more chilling, more or less stressful oh, with the puppies. Hot chocky, <laughs> hot chocky. chicken soup. <laughs> <laughs> the hot chocky train continues, my friend. <laughs> oh, it does. It, it does. does. I love me oh, some hot chocky. Oh, bloody good. Well, all right, let us jump into today's episode. We are talking, as Ames said at the top of the episode, all things high self-esteem. Is high self-esteem a problem? Is it something that actually should be celebrated? And I think that this is such a brilliant topic, Ames. You brought this up on Insta the other day. And I'm curious, because I haven't actually asked you this, what, what prompted this question? What prompted this investigation? I know you put a bit of a survey up. So talk to me about how, how this all came about. Oh. Great question. I will not take full credit for this. I actually had a lovely session with a client of mine. They had said something basically along the lines of self-esteem. And now that they had felt that they were in a place where their self-esteem was quite high, was this a problem? And it really just got me thinking. We get a lot of messages that we should be working on our self-esteem. And then we get a lot of messages that when we think good of ourselves, it isn't a good thing. So there is this kind of paradox of like, we need to be working on our self-esteem and we need to be doing things that make us feel good about ourselves, but not too good. Mm. Okay. So it's kind of like this mixed message that we often get in society. And I think that's really prevalent at the moment that self-work is so celebrated and so encouraged. And I think that's wonderful. And I also think for me, self, self-worth, self-esteem, self-concept is such an area of passion and interest for me. I'm always so curious to understand how people see themselves in the world because how you feel about yourself impacts how you live your life. I just think this is such an interesting topic of whether too much self-esteem or whether too high self-esteem is a problem, but where that line is and how to determine where that line is because of these mixed messages that we get. And we are constantly encouraged to do the self-work and, and to improve our self-esteem. Okay, but also if you think too good of yourself, that is a bad thing. You know, you're looked at to be entitled or that, you know, you might have an inflated ego. That's something that comes up a lot. And so I wanted to open up the conversation for us to kind of explore together and, and look at exactly, well, what is self-esteem? 
can too much self-esteem be a problem? Great question. A really, really interesting one. And I know that within the context of living in Australia, and I know, I know a lot of other countries as well, but I will speak from the context of living here, that we are certainly a culture where high, someone who expresses a high self-esteem, a high perception of self, someone who really thinks highly and are quite highly confident in themselves, often that is seen quite negatively. That idea of, you know, tall poppy syndrome, for example, that we feel may be uncomfortable or there is a more general discomfort with seeing someone who is A, very self-assured or or confident or has a high self-esteem and it's almost perceived in a way that is not okay. And you're right, Ames, that's a really interesting paradox to explore is a lot of, I guess, the the basis of caring for our mental health is exploring self-esteem. How we view ourselves says a lot about how we look after ourselves and really is quite a predictor, isn't it, for, for mental health. It's interesting then that we get all these messages as you're speaking about high self-esteem and, you know, love yourself and, and all of those rhetorics versus, well, don't love yourself too much. <laughs> don't have too high a self-esteem because then that's not okay. Then we get to the other side of the spectrum where perhaps you might face social rejection. Yeah, you might face societal pressure and abandonment right? That this behavior is not okay. So, it it is a really interesting paradox, isn't it? In the one hand, brilliant (laughs) to have self-esteem. I think when I was searching self-esteem, there's like 24 million articles on how to improve your self-esteem. And so, it is such an important part of self-development, but at the same time, where's the line? At what point and why has self-esteem been seen as not a good thing? So, I guess what might be helpful to unpack is what is self-esteem? So, Ames, I know that this is such an <laughs> ambiguous concept, but we always do our best. What is your definition of self-esteem? Self-esteem can be used interchangeably with a lot of other self-related concepts. But when we're talking about self-esteem, self-esteem encompasses quite a lot and it can be really difficult as with most psychology-related terms to put into, I guess, a concrete, simplistic, definitive description. But essentially, when we're talking about self-esteem, we're talking about how you identify yourself. So, self-esteem is how you value yourself. It's how adequate you feel, how competent you feel. It's essentially your attitude towards yourself. So, it covers everything from maybe beliefs about yourself to, you know, how worthy you are, how successful you think you'll be, how attractive you think you are, to how fulfilled you think you will be. It's kind of the basis of how you might evaluate yourself from you know positive to negative qualities and traits that you learn make you valuable and worthy. And I think what's interesting about that is a lot of how we evaluate ourselves relies on external comparisons or external factors, performance, appearance, social approval, all of that kind of form this basis on how we evaluate ourselves. So, self-esteem is really important because it directly affects or influences how we see ourselves in the world in relation to other people, 
which means that then it is going to impact the decisions we make. So for example, what career I think I should go into or what opportunities that I think I should take. It impacts how we maintain relationships. It impacts our motivation, our ability to identify our needs and express them. It also impacts, which I think this is a really important part of self-esteem, it impacts how you perceive the judgments of other people or how you think other people will perceive you in general. And so then I guess really whittling it down, it's essentially how you feel good about yourself, how able you are to accept certain things about yourself and move through life with that sense of meaning and value that we attribute to self. So like I mentioned, it's really difficult to to describe self-esteem or put it into one definitive sentence, but I think that is like a nice en- encompass for, for what self-esteem is. I think if I had to put it into one simple sentence, it would be how you feel towards yourself that also has so many layers, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's quite complex when when we try to break it down. Well, what about you, Kat? Would you say that I've missed anything there? Mm-hmm. What, what would you add to that definition? No, I think it's brilliant. I think it's really hard, as you said, to really put it down into one sentence. I think a really good way to discern self-esteem and really understand self-esteem is this question of how do you cope when you are challenged? How do you cope when you are rejected? How do you cope when something happens that you didn't expect. I think self-esteem is really important here and it is different to self-confidence, but in the way that self-esteem, if you're someone who has, mm, I don't like to use high, low and stable, but if you're someone who feels you have a pretty good self-esteem, if you're someone who feels quite sure of themselves and quite self-confident, then your self-esteem is not about how you feel in the good moments. You can measure your self-esteem by how you feel in the really challenging moments and situations in life. For those who may experience or um, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, confidence, low trust in self, anxiety, even narcissism, which is interesting. We'll get to that in a second. How you might handle challenges. And and one of those is a really big one of social judgment says a lot about your self-esteem. Someone with a higher or feeling pretty confident within themselves and has a high level of self-esteem. There was this really interesting study. They mentioned that those who felt social judgment and had a high self-esteem were not as disappointed, anxious, or stressed when something happened because they knew that at the end of the day that they had a stable sense of self and there wasn't going to be a social rejection. There wasn't going to be a a really negative impact that occurred after they'd gone through something. Whereas those with lower self-esteem, those who experience anxiety or those who resonated with narcissistic traits or tendencies, they really struggled with coming to terms with social rejection. They, they weren't able to self-soothe, they weren't able to self-regulate, really impacted on them uh, at a much higher level. Their, their fight or flight response turned on much more quickly. And I think that that is a really interesting way to look at self-esteem is so when we're feeling really good and looking after ourselves and it's, it, you know, we're more likely to have feel good and, and have a good self-esteem. But I think self-esteem is how we respond as well to the tough stuff in life. And I think that that's a really good way to measure self-esteem, self-efficacy, you know, self-confidence, how we can care for ourselves. So I, I kind of, yeah, view sometimes self-esteem as, yeah, in, in that context. But I think you did a wonderful job, Ames. I think you've nailed it. It is always so tricky <laughs> to define self-esteem. <laughs> 
Hey guys, sorry to interrupt this episode. We just want to quickly let you know all about our brand new anxiety e-course called Coming Home, How to Care for Your Anxiety. In this six-week self-paced course, we will help you to deepen your understanding of your anxiety and teach you practical ways to help you feel more calm, confident, and connected. If you've ever felt unsure about how to look after your anxiety and want to learn helpful and practical skills that actually work, then this course will be for you. From our years of clinical work and research, we found those who understood their anxiety and learnt to care for it rather than saw it as an enemy to get rid of, noticed a reduction in their anxiety and felt more empowered to manage their stress and anxiety in everyday life. We are so passionate and dedicated to assisting you build a strong foundation to look after your experiences of anxiety. If you'd like more information, pop over to our website on www.atthesitecollaborative.com.au. There's a free download of the introduction and what to expect where you can feel free to suss out the course. We will add all this information in our show notes. Now back to the episode. All right, Ames, tell me, why might having high self-esteem be helpful or why might we strive for a high self-esteem? I think that is a good question because like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I think that is a message that we repeatedly get is that we should be working on our self-esteem, almost like the goal of a lot of self-help and a lot of self-development is to increase our self-esteem. And I guess it is, well, what does that actually mean? What does it actually give us to have high self-esteem, to be more resilient during challenges and trying times? Self-esteem allows us to have a, a more positive view of ourselves Typically, someone with high self-esteem will be more outgoing. They might be more social because they typically will tend to have a more positive view or, or realistic view of themselves. It's this sense of I can go out into the world and trust that people are going to like me. I'm going to be accepted and approved of. It also means that people with high self-esteem generally tend to have trust in their abilities and their decisions, which means that they will tend to essentially fulfill goals and things that they set out to do because it's this self-belief. Like I, I know I trust myself that I can go out into the world and I can do these things. It might mean that if you have high self-esteem that you are more likely to say yes to opportunities. Someone with higher self-esteem is generally better at setting boundaries because it's this, I, I value myself. Somebody with high self-esteem may be more inclined to receive affection and warmth and be better able to maintain healthier relationships because they're able to communicate clearly and assertively and directly about what they need and what they want and what they don't want. Again, I guess that very confident with boundary setting and how I'm giving and receiving. Somebody with high self-esteem may also be better able to give and receive feedback in terms of maybe in a, in a work setting, what needs improving on. And I'm able to kind of take that in my stride and, and 
implement that so that that is, I, I guess, like that sense of assurance that comes with feeling like I, I know myself and I know my value and, and I'm able to take on feedback maybe a little bit more easily without feeling like it says something bad about me. And something else that comes up with people that are a, a little bit higher on the self-esteem side of things is that they tend to, and, and again, this, this, this can vary. This is just generalization. They tend to have a very clear set of values. So oftentimes when we talk about feeling satisfied, fulfilled, content, overall, I guess, satisfaction in life, we talk about being aligned to our values and somebody that is higher on, on the end of self-esteem is usually very clear and, and very good at understanding their values, therefore able to receive a little bit more satisfaction, fulfillment and purpose and meaning in their life because they know what their values are and they know what they have to do to live accordingly to their values. And, and I think that's something really important to take away in terms of having high self-esteem as often being like a self-development goal or what does that mean in terms of things that maybe are a little bit more tangible is that people with high self-esteem what that means is I'm living in accordance to my values I'm, I'm living in, in accordance to what is very meaningful to me and that's what allows me to move through life with a lot more purpose and fulfillment it can be hard essentially to put our finger on what what exactly that is and and I think that is a really great way to understand it through the context of of self-esteem and how I feel about myself so well said Ames I love that explanation especially self-esteem has been speaking about so tricky to really really fully define and understand but I think you have nailed that I would love to hear about the difference here. At what point may it turn into arrogance? Where is the line between high self-esteem versus uh, really egotistical behaviors, narcissism, arrogance? I think that that's a really interesting one. And I wonder when you first spoke to your client about this, that that was a question that might have showed up. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on at what point do we veer from high self-esteem or at what point, what are the differences with high self-esteem and arrogance or narcissism? Because there is some really clear differences. I agree that there are a lot of similar associations, but they are not interchangeable terms. I even think understanding the difference between self-esteem and ego is important. I hear a lot of confusion with you know, too high self-esteem and it being egotistical or being an inflated ego. And I think there are a lot of misunderstandings around what, what ego is. The ego is part of self that we have conscious awareness around. That That's, that's all ego means. Literally the, the translation of ego is I. So it's me. It's the me that I'm aware of. When we think about ourselves and when we think about what the ego functions to do that the main function of of our ego is to seek pleasure or tension reduction discomfort reduction and to avoid pain and discomfort so when we're being 
egotistical or when when we're being in our ego that's all we're referring to what makes me feel good and that I am naturally wired to go towards what makes me feel good and protect myself or defend myself from what doesn't feel good or what is painful which is very different to self-esteem or I guess the the context that we're talking about self-esteem which may be different to how sometimes it can be understood Again, that is very, very different to narcissism. Although there are, I guess, similarities when we think about narcissism and really high self-esteem, and maybe it might be that overly positive view of self, they are so different and I don't think they can be used interchangeably. I think narcissism is very complex and people with narcissistic personality disorder often have like this grandiose idea about themselves and I think I very much believe that that narcissism comes from one of two things, either being overvalued as a child and having a lot of emphasis placed on praise as an extension of their parents or being incredibly undervalued and so it's a whole false self-development and maybe that's another episode for another day but narcissism needs fuel I think that the the main difference is self-esteem is like this realistic view of self or a positive view of self whereas narcissism really needs fuel and that fuel might be through putting other people down or needing a lot of excessive praise Narcissism is often correlated to that entitlement, superiority, grandiose kind of characteristics, whereas self-esteem isn't. And I also think important to note that it is possible to have high self-esteem and not be on the narcissism spectrum, just like it is possible to have narcissism and have low self-esteem. The two are not necessarily correlated. I think that you know, you're bang on. I think really in my experience of working with MPD and those who might express narcissistic tendencies is actually quite the opposite. I think those who have a diagnosis of MPD actually have a really fragile sense of self. The the, the reason that they may be so grandiose in their behavior and quite exhibitionist and, and seek a lot of praise is because their sense of self is actually quite low. It is quite fragile. It's like a seesaw, right? And with that fuel that Amy was talking about, you know, that that, that sense of self increases. However, self-esteem is the stability of our concept of self with or without fuel, with or without external validation or with or without external praise. So those who experience NPD, they are very different and you cannot have high self-esteem and it doesn't turn into NPD because they are two very, very different things. Those who experience NPD have very much a very fragile self-esteem, which explains really when you peel back the layers, their behaviors. If you are someone who has a relatively good self-esteem or high self-esteem, you may not feel the need to go and prove to, to others. You know, and those who experience NPD are quite vulnerable to social judgment, you know, re- really worry about what people think of them. If there is kind of like a negative connotation or a perceived negative judgment of them, that really can impact on their sense of self. Although ironically on the surface, it does not look like that. (laughs) It does happen. The difference, and this is sometimes a really good way to define the difference, is those who have a higher self-esteem say to themselves, I'm good at this. 
I am good. I can do this. Those who experience narcissism or have those really grandiose ideas of self, they say to themselves, I am the best and there is no one better than me. That is the difference. Yeah, there is a very big difference between I am good, I'm good at this, I trust in myself and my skills versus I am the best. Because I am the best indicates that there is no room for failure, there's no room for mistakes, there is no one better than me. But I am good does not indicate any of those things. Yeah, and I think that that's a really good, clear way to separate the two. I was reading this study, Ames, and it was really interesting because there was a lot of worry around if I have high self-esteem, does that develop (laughs) into narcissistic personality disorder? And like I said before, it does not because they can exist on two very different spectrums. Really important to separate the two. And I think that on the other side of it, when you're someone who has experience or knows someone who expresses these behaviors of really high sense of self and high self-confidence, because as well of our society, it might look like narcissism. It might look like a really heightened egotistical sense of self. But I think it's really good to check in with self here as well. What does this person doing well? What comes up for me? Yeah, because they are very different. It can create a level of discomfort to hear other people feeling quite confident within themselves. As someone with high confidence and high self-esteem is not a narcissist automatically. <laughs> They're two very different things. And I think in Australia, we have a very shaky sense and a, a very shaky ability to be able to define the two, to find distinction between the two. Those who have high self-esteem often can be grouped with those who are narcissists or have a high sense of self. Interestingly, I just thought of this. When I was traveling to America, this was a couple of years ago, I remember the first thing that stood out to me was everyone here is so confident. Everyone here, I know this is a total generalization. I know it's not everyone, but that was what I felt when I landed that everyone had such a high sense of self and were very confident. And I almost felt really uncomfortable. I think that we come from a society of self-deprecation as our sense of humor. But I think to hear of others who were very sure of themselves and very confident within their skills and had a high self-esteem, I remember feeling really unsettled by that. And actually, it wasn't actually to do with them. It was more about what our norm is and what we are used to and what is actually the most comfortable for us in Australia, and that is low self-esteem or self-deprecation. We, we speak about how do you feel when you get compliments. <laughs> we all feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. So, I think that that was a really interesting experience that I had when I went to America. It For me, I felt really uncomfortable, but really that was my own discomfort that needed examining rather than it to be anything else other than that. All right, Ames, can you tell us, are there any concerns or problems associated with having high self-esteem? What are your thoughts on that? Great question. I guess I want to preface that having high self-esteem isn't a problem. It's not something that we do need to be concerned about. I think even going back to what we were talking about around narcissism, that developmentally speaking, there is actually a a healthy amount of narcissism that we have. And and oftentimes, again, developmentally speaking, this can go back to primary narcissism. You know, when you have a little five-year-old or a six-year-old, it's it's really common for for them to be like, hey, look at me, look what I can do, you know, watch this trick. And 
that goes back to creating self-concept to be accepting of me as a unique individual and that is a healthy good thing so when we talk about is having too high self-esteem a problem no it's not I think there is a real difference between assertiveness so knowing who I am and being very self-assured and having a really good understanding of what I want and what I don't want. I think narcissism in the way that we tend to think about it as a negative or a problematic trait or or especially when we talk about narcissism as narcissistic personality disorder, it's this inability to see anything outside of myself or a lack of, of empathy I think that's what people refer to when they think about having too much self-esteem or being self-centered or selfish are words that come up here uh, is when we're unable to see things outside of ourselves. And so I think what can come up when that is the case is in relationships. If I'm only considering myself and how I feel and what I want, then I'm not able to consider my partner and I maybe be really dismissive of of how they feel and and what they need. And and I think this might come back to maybe challenges that, that can come up here is we're then really not able to understand other people. You know, I'm, I'm not able to perspective take, I'm not able to see things from someone else's point of view if I'm only concerned with myself. And I think that can really impact relationships that can make our, our partner or, or other people feel like we don't care about them, that they're not important, that they don't matter there might be a real imbalance then that's created in the relational dynamic, you know, that I'm more important than you or my needs are more important than you. And that can feel really, really uncomfortable and and create a lot of tension in relationships. And I think ultimately then for the other person, whether it be a friend or a partner, it then becomes, you know, almost like a withdrawal. Like what's the point in having a conversation with you because you don't care about how I'm feeling you know, it's, it's, it's just about you and how you feel. And as long as you're validated and, and, and you feel good, then, then that's all that matters. I think what can also come up with people that may have, it, it feels strange to say too high self-esteem because it, again, that's not the problem. I think it is like a, a lack of empathy, like a lack of consideration around other people. And I think when that's the case, like when I'm only concerned with myself, I'm, I'm then really not open to learning and exploring and curiosity and I think ultimately that is how we grow that is how we keep evolving and improving again whether this be in a romantic relationship in a work environment with our family with our friends if I am just concerned with myself and I maybe even have a bit of entitlement then I become quite closed off to that exploring and that curiosity about how I feel about myself and what I'm doing and the impact or the consequences that that might have. I think also what that creates is a reduced capacity to take on feedback, constructive criticism. I'm I'm very closed off to other people's 
or understanding how other people think and feel and and consequences that might come up there, I might really struggle to handle feedback. Okay, so if somebody comes up to me and, you know, is, is requiring a difficult conversation about how they're thinking or feeling, if I just believe that, that well, that's false because it conflicts or it's contrary to how I think and feel about myself, then I might be really defensive. I might have like this defensive shield that stops me from being able to hear something that is contrary to this rigid positive self-image that can be a, a bit of a problem or a blockage. Again, maybe unintentionally, I might be making other people feel feel unheard, unimportant, inadequate, not respected, because I'm more concerned with my own self-importance. Aims one one hundred percent such a clear difference between high self-esteem and perhaps you know more arrogance or the narcissistic scale. So high self-esteem, as you're mentioning, is really important. It's a really unclear line of can self-esteem be too high, and I would actually. I disagree. I don't think high self-esteem, uh, having a high self-esteem is, is, is really a concern because those who exhibit high self-esteem or have high self-esteem have been shown to have much more pro-social behaviors, right? So, that's your ability to empathize. That's your ability to be flexible. That's your ability to maintain social cohesion and closeness and have really positive relationships around you. Whereas those who are perhaps higher on the narcissistic, psychopathy scale are more likely to exhibit antisocial behavior. So, exactly what Ames was saying is that those who actually do present with that narcissistic or narcissistic traits are, you know, have, have quite an unsteady sense of self and, and do exhibit the antisocial behavior. But those with high self-esteem are more, li- are more likely to have much more of an internal working model around, I know I'm not perfect and I know I've got more to learn and therefore things feel less threatening to me. Yeah, I know I'm good. Like I said earlier, high self-esteem is I am good and I know that I'm good at this, but there's room to learn. Narcissism, arrogance, psychopathy is I'm the best and I've got nothing to learn. And, and as Ames was mentioning, you're so right in that the impact that can have on you know, the behavior is inability to take on feedback, <laughs> inability to handle criticism. Can high self-esteem be a bad thing? I would say no. Considering the field in which we work, I think high self-esteem is so protective in uh, protection against any mental health, mental ill health or mental health disorders. It can really help to develop positive coping skills. You're much more likely to be able to handle adversity, conflict, challenge, and you're much more likely to have those really positive relationships around you. Yeah, so high self-esteem is actually so important and so protective against so many things. And I think it's actually really, really needed. And I was reading this study actually in that when through life, when self-esteem is the highest. And it's interesting because obviously in childhood, when we're children, and that's when our self-esteem can be the highest from the ages of zero to five. And also in later on in life. So I think it was around the ages of about 60 to 70 where our self-esteem can become the highest again. And I think that's so interesting and says a lot about A, that no child is ever born with low (laughs) self-esteem 
and B, the impact of later childhood, adolescence, and early adulthood and later adulthood can have on our self-esteem. In, in, in the 60 to 70 or 75 age group, that's where self-esteem is the highest, which is so in- interesting and says a lot about socialization and the developmental stages of self-esteem. So, I feel that in a very long-winded response to this question that high self-esteem is absolutely not a problem. I think it's fantastic as long as those who do have high self-esteem are quite introspective, feel like they have the ability to take on feedback, the ability to know that they have always got things to learn and they do show those really positive pro-social behaviours. Yeah, yeah, really beautifully said, Kat, and, and I wholeheartedly agree. I think having high self-esteem is absolutely not a concern or a problem. One little tip that I would have if there is discomfort around high self-esteem, it is more looking at those traits or characteristics that we judge around or or interpret as negative or, or bad traits to have. And I think this does go back to what you were saying, Kat, that we are not born with an identity. We are, we are not born with self-concept. That's something that we learn and it's something that we construct based on what we understand is liked, accepted, approved of. And I think a lot of this work kind of goes back to shadow self, what we are unconscious of in terms of where we might hold shame, embarrassment. I think if, if you've ever felt embarrassed about feeling good of yourself, that's definitely an indication of, of your shadow self or, or this part of us that we repress traits that we learn are not accepted or approved of. So, for example, like we were talking about a little bit before, assertiveness for, for women in particular, often as part of our self-concept or what we learn is good to be, in terms of what is liked and accepted and approved of is we are taught to be good girls, nice girls, you know, politeness, compliancy, to be agreeable, to be small and quiet. So then to feel really good about yourself or to be very overt in feeling good about yourself may conflict with what you have learnt is liked and accepted or, or makes you a good person. So I think if if there is ever judgment around feeling good about yourself or having high self-esteem, sometimes it can go back to these unconscious narratives of what we have learnt is is good, if that makes sense. So so what can come up there is maybe even projection. You know, if we encounter someone that is really assertive and really self-assured, maybe what is coming up there is is this that it feels very difficult for me to speak my truth because I have learned that assertiveness is a bad thing, makes me someone that thinks that I am too good. Going back to what you were talking about before, Kat, around stoicism and what we learn in, in our, I guess, societal constructs that we we kind of suppress parts of ourselves, you know, like vulnerability or, or like I was saying, for, for girls, we learn to be good girls, nice girls. So we suppress assertiveness and self-assurance because, you know, there is that belief that it is a bad thing. I think sometimes what we perceive or what we interpret as too high self-esteem it actually kind of goes back to what can I accept about myself or or what do I struggle to allow myself 
to say, think and feel because of what I worry it says about me. And maybe is it mm-hmm. is their fear around liking myself too much because of how I worry that that will be interpreted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really good point. What discomfort comes up for me when I see someone who is exhibiting high self-esteem or has high self-confidence? Yeah, because it's easy then if I don't accept that or tolerate that about myself, then it's easy to make a projection or a judgment that they must be narcissistic. So really helpful to check in with self here. Really be mindful of who you label as maybe someone who's really egocentric or narcissistic or has those traits or behaviors because I think there is such a clear line between the two of those things. Yeah, someone who has high confidence in themselves and their abilities does not automatically mean that they express narcissistic traits. They're they're two very different things and and language can be really powerful and and really, really impactful. So, So, what actually is coming up for you? Examine your own discomfort with seeing and and observing someone who has high self-esteem. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. So thank you for sharing your pearls of wisdom. My absolute pleasure. I think it's also remembering that the difference is narcissism is about a false self. Remembering that narcissism is about fuel for this false self as a protective strategy for either being overvalued and, you know, needing this constant fuel of of praise or, or being undervalued and having to develop this whole performity of self as like a big protective mechanism from yeah not not having a sense of me not having that self-concept as a child so if you have high self-esteem it's a really healthy and positive view of oneself which is a wonderful thing I completely agree with what you were saying before Kat around it it is that we as as much as it is important to have high self-esteem you know it is also really important to have that introspection and awareness of of myself and empathy and compassion as we tend to talk about a lot is that still having this compassionate connection to others as well that allows us to to perspective take that I can have a really positive view of myself and think well of myself and also be able to consider how I'm impacting others and being able to kind of look at, okay, well, what feels challenging for me and how might I be able to improve that or, or, or change that still having this kind of openness to how I'm responding to the world as well. Yes, Ames. So well said as always. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. That is all we have time for. And thank you, Ames, for sharing, as always, your pearls of wisdom. We hope that this was insightful and sparked some thought and introspection and conversation around high self-esteem. Thank you for bringing this one to the table, Ames. A really interesting one. I really enjoyed chatting about this one. Not often spoken about and I think it should absolutely be spoken about more so thank you guys for joining us we'll be back in your ears as always in a few weeks time Ames have a lovely rest of your week enjoy I hope you are feeling a little bit better as the day's gone (laughs) and we will chat to you guys soon Hey guys, just adding a disclosure, this episode is not intended to replace personalized psychological advice and it is always intended to be general in nature. This episode does not take into account your own individual experiences. We always recommend you seek personalized professional psychological support. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to support the show, it would mean the world to us if you could leave a review. This also helps us sneak our way into more ears. 
If you'd like to follow us or learn more, please follow us at The Psychology Sisters or at The Psych Collaborative on Instagram. If you'd like more info on our private practice, please visit www.thepsychcollaborative.com. All of this info will be in our show notes. We will see you next time, guys. Bye.